Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Joined this week, don't have my co-host, but we do have some special guests. I got Adam Rowe with me from the Devil's Den, and we're fortunate to bring in Bud Elliott from the Cover 3 podcast. But I know you got a lot of stuff going on out there. That was the one that kind of caught my eye. Um, This is typically we talk a lot of basketball here, so we're going to pivot as it's almost September. Going to look a little bit more at Duke football. A lot of interesting matchups, a lot of storylines going on, a lot of conference realignment talk out there. Um, We've talked about John Shire entering year two, and I think the conversation around Mike Elko entering year two is equally kind of captivating, equally important in terms of going forward. Uh, So we'll kind of jump in there. Um, But Adam, for you coming in, I think last year, you know, for I think the casual fan was a little bit of an exceeding expectations. There was a lot of like, well, what do we have here? What's this going to look like? Obviously, Cutcliffe had a lot of early success as well. Um, What defines success for you two kind of coming into year two? What are you looking for now that kind of maybe the standard has start to been set? Um, what's going to kind of make that successful now? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, bud, from a national standpoint. So I, I, I'm a believer in this team. Uh, I, I think Adam really, it, you know, we, we go back to uh, on cover three, we, we do a, a, a little summer series called summer school where I try to have on all the 24 seven sports experts in the power five and a, a couple of G five teams as well, who might have a special year on deck and, and, and cover the teams. And, and, you know, last year he, he really kind of nailed it and said, I, I think there is more talent on this team, I, I think, uh, th- than what they showed in, in 2021. And some of the unknowns were like, just how good can Riley Leonard be? How will Mike Elko be as a head coach in his first year? I I had a pretty good feeling that Kevin Johns is a dynamite hire at OC. I think we had, we had agreed on that. And I mean, certainly winning nine ball games it exceeds my expectation uh, a, a little bit. Uh, certainly, I, I thought they were over maintenance last year, but, but not... Uh, not not an eight and four. Um, I I think this year, honestly, my friend Bill Connolly uses the term consolidation of gains to where like let's make sure that the floor remains high for this football team. And I think if Leonard stays healthy, it is uh, making sure that you're going back to a bowl game. You know, can you be plus one, plus two? Maybe if you stay really healthy, you get the close game luck. You know, you go plus three in that. But like making sure you don't have any sort of backslide 
assuming Leonard can stay healthy, uh, to where you're consistently establishing yourself as a team that's returning to bowls. Yeah, thanks for the shout-out there, bud. Uh, checks in the mail. Um, mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I get something right, in my opinion. Is that, I mean, as far as success goes for this team, like, at 9-4, I think over skis for everybody, right? No expectations going into last year. Mike Eccles' first year as a head coach. Duke had only Duke had went, gone winless in the ACC the year before. Mm. Nobody expected that to happen, so I, I'm a little gun shy of like or worried about the casual fan if they look at that nine and four. Like, okay, that should be an every year kind of thing. But like last year's schedule was not what this year's schedule is. They play mm. four ranked teams. Um, you know, they get they trade Boston College, um, Kansas and Temple for uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, and they've got FSU on the road um, and then North Carolina on the road too. So it's it, they may be, and I think everybody expects them to be a better team this year, but they may be a better team and have a worse record. Uh, the one thing I can point to and say maybe that won't happen is the four games that they lost last year at Kansas – when they had Jalen Daniels healthy at Georgia Tech uh, against North Carolina and at Pittsburgh were all one-possession losses, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Like, they were one possession away from maybe even going 10-3 and three or 11-2 or and two in, in Elko's first year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think Kevin Johns – this is the first year Duke's had back-to-back offensive coordinators, I think, since, like, Daniel Jones a sophomore year or something mm. like that. Um, it's the first year they've had the same starting quarterback year over year since Daniel Jones left Duke. Like, there's a lot of things that are adding up to maybe, you know, this is an old team. They might have some ability to bring, like ride that momentum and get better. Um, it's just that schedule. It's, it's tough. It's hard. So we'll see how they navigate through that. Mm. What, what do you think that does in terms of like potential coach of the year conversation? So if Duke can be kind of, I guess, better analytically or better by the numbers, but the record still da- does that hurt him in any chance? Do you see a path here up for coach of the year? I mean, you mentioned those ranked games. Duke's probably got to win a couple of those, I guess, for that to really um, be- become a conversation. What do you foresee in that regard? Like ACC coach of the year? Yeah. Like, yeah. Didn't yeah, he I mean, win that last year? Up, he did win that last year. And a lot of times that's like, uh, did you sur- surpass our own expectations yeah. in the media? They're not picked to finish last this year. I think they, they were picked to finish sixth. So, like, unless they go out and end up in, in Charlotte in the championship game, that's going to be a tough sell to the media, um, especially with, Jeff Brom coming in, Louisville, as Bud said, the, the schedule's kind of lightweight there. So as a first-year coach, if he comes out the gates and does something similar to what Elko did, I could see him winning that award, you know? Yeah. You kind of think about, like, what number would, would Duke have to hit? And it's a regular season award, I think, typically. Mm-hmm. like that. So Duke would probably have to find a way to go – like nine and three, I would think to like mm. really exceed expectation. It, I mean, to me, the award likely goes to Virginia would probably have to make a bowl. So good luck with that. Um, <laughs> if, if, if Louisville gets to the ACC title game 
or if Miami gets the SEC title game, I could see them because like that would both exceed expectations. You know, Mac Brown was there last year, and they have Drake May, so probably not. Or if like Clemson or Florida State are undefeated, occasionally the league will give it to the best team. Although they, you know, that some years they they don't. I think Cutcliffe won it. When did Cutcliffe win it? Thirteen or fourteen? Um, Thirteen when he was in the championship game. Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't always go to the like to the guy who's making a playoff run, but I, I think you guys are right. It usually is the the guy who most exceeds the expectations preseason. Hmm. And you get a little voter fatigue probably in year two, right? Yeah. Of like, all right, do, we've seen you do it now. Like, there's like the expectations start to roll in the standard. Um, well, let's look a little bit though. If we were to pan out, how important do you think this year is in terms of? There's been a lot of conversations about conference realignment um, within the ACC, bringing teams in nationally the landscape is kind of like up in the air a lot of uncertainty a lot of big numbers being thrown around in terms of like tv deals and like what it means to even leave a conference or join a conference um how important is what elko's doing in year two and starting to kind of rebuild something or rebrand something in terms of marketability for duke as a program in this kind of conference realignment conversation i think it's pretty important uh to not backslide Again, like, is somebody going to really knock Duke in terms of its place within the conference and and its athletic department if Duke goes six and five, or excuse me, six and six, or or seven and five? Probably not. What you need to avoid is having the year where people can write off last year as a one year wonder. You need to establish yourself as a you know consistently competent program again under Mike Elko, which I I firmly believe that they they are almost regardless of what happens on the field. Like, you know, I, I think the, the baseline for this team is pretty good if they can stay healthy. There's certainly some spots that, you know, that Adam went over in you know, preseason that need to stay healthy uh, because they rely on them or because the depth maybe ain't ready yet. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's fairly important, but I, I I'm, I'm kind of curious on hearing from you guys on that. I, I how important do y'all think it is? I, I don't think no matter, I mean, it's just based on our page views, but no matter what, Football does. It's not going to pull any eyeballs that like uh, Duke basketball freshman wears a different hat. Like you mm. can, we could write a, the stupidest story on any Duke basketball player, and it would get infinite number of more views than Riley Leonard winning the Heisman Trophy. Right. Um, it's just a, uh, a media kind of uh, over a hill that is going to be impossible to climb for any reasonable time until this ACC, until this conference realignment stuff is over. Um, so, yeah, I think as long as Duke is respectable um, and they're not pulling down that brand likability factor or whatever that scale is that pulls in eyeballs when people are scrolling through on the guide and they see the name of a, a school there and want to tune in. Um as long as they can keep that identity up, it, it's it's going to be good. Now, I don't know the numbers exactly because Duke is a private university and they are very they hold them tight to their chest. But just by looking at GoDukes like tickets available for sale in the stadium, it's night and day from last year. Like there are so many more tickets sold, so. If you're bringing in that revenue and making up and you're able to get closer to making up that revenue disparity between you and some of the upper echelon teams in the league, 
potentially some of the, the other teams and other conferences, that's where it's going to come into play. Mm. They need to get butts and seats. They need to sell gear and apparel. And winning's the only way to do that right now. Yeah. Yep. Sustained winning too, right? And it almost like maybe it's the the question should almost be flipped around and it should be less about like what this year is in terms of Duke's individual branding to like maybe leave the conference and more about maybe what it could do if Duke is able to sustain this level of play and retaining the conference. And as a longtime fan of the ACC, that's what I'm wanting, right? Like, I'm what can we do to build the kind of overall league equity here a little bit to retain a Clemson, mm-hmm. to retain a Florida State, to get Notre Dame full time on board? Um, that might be kind of obviously that's not going to be just Duke, right? You're talking about Virginia, you're talking about Wake, you're talking about NC State. Like these programs have to continue to be a viable product. And maybe that's a little bit more where the conversation should be. Like, how do we keep the league? Um, it's kind of dark times out there, right? And then obviously you have NIL and everything that's going on. And we're not going to get like political in terms of just the leadership of the NCAA, but I think there's viable questions out there and what's happening. Um, Obviously on the basketball side of things, K has been pretty vocal over the years of just what are we doing sometimes, right? And I think as the student athlete, as the fan, um, you know, and sometimes I try not to wear my old head hat too much, right? And to get off my lawn stuff. But I think there's a a value in the ACC historically. Um, and so maybe that's just my pitch there for for what's to keep things together and keep this rolling. But uh, I think we're going to see some shifts. I guess if my, my final question on that, do y'all think this is an imminent threat? Like, is this we're hearing a lot about it now? The conversations are happening now. Just looking at some of the numbers, like it still seems like this is years out or or is this, do you think we're looking at maybe this year, next year, within the next two years, things could really kind of get shifted around? So prior to the Cal Stanford SMU thing, where I guess I've been reading some of these reports and, and who knows what the real numbers will be. If they're actually able and they meaning like the schools that are competing for playoff spots, if they're really able to to pick up an extra 10 or 12 million from from performance-based incentives, I think you could kick the can down the road for a Florida State or a Clemson for a couple of years. I do. Without this, uh, I really thought that Florida State was going to announce they were gone after the 24 season. Um, now, does that mean they actually had a place to go or were they, we, we joke about it on, on cover three with, with, with the term Saudi Knowles, basically just referencing how the, you know, the PIF with, with, with golf and, and a lot of the you know, European soccer uh, has been, you know, just kind of influenced by that, the money. Uh, but I, I do think that, I mean, we talked about this on cover three for a while. It's like, guys, like they could finance this. It, like that's how yeah. serious they are about the future and how they don't think staying in the ACC is viable long-term rel- relative to the goals because I don't think Florida State cares about basketball, right? Like they care about baseball a little bit and they're good at, at women's soccer and, you know, and, and women's softball, but you can't really be good at those sports if all the money has to go to football because you're, you're you know, making 40% of what the SEC makes, which I guess they'll, they will be by 2029 or whatever. Um, but I think the additional money allows them to kind of, look around and and wait like consider their options for for a longer term and guys i don't know are we sure football just doesn't break off at some point i I really Mm -hmm. am kind of curious about this like i i I think eventually we're probably going to get to a a thing where 
I don't think the SEC ever kicks out like a Mississippi State or a, a Missouri, but I think they might. Some teams might get invited up, up a level to something else, and then maybe they're like, "Hey, we can kick you guys out. You get you get an invite. Sorry about that. Really, really sorry." Um, <laughs> I I don't know. Like I just they, TV seems to care about great games, not good games, and for football, mm-hmm. there's like probably. I don't know, 30 teams that you really would not want to do without. And then I don't know how the, the rest of the chips will fall in the long term. But I think if you want to stay in that 30, you need to stay, you need to be finding a way to stay relevant for about the next, who knows, decade or so. I think that's FSU right. and probably Clemson's, you know, like the really serious football schools. So FSU goes, just hypothetical, FSU goes Saudi, independent. Like uh, Notre Dame style, Duke uh, ACC crumbles. Duke goes independent in basketball only. Yeah, links up with Duke alumnus at Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, and they become the Duke Blue Apples. Just like, <laughs> let's go, let's go yeah. nuclear. Death gun fire. Let's huh? do it. I mean, Melinda Gates is also a Duke alum. And she's on the board of trustees alongside of Tim Cook. Get into a bidding war with Microsoft and Apple and see who wants uh, who wants the valuable product that is Duke basketball. Let's go. See, yeah, you can't have the high level basketball without Duke, right? I mean, it, it, it. I think a lot of Florida State fans feel like like you really can't have the Super League without the Knowles football. I think Duke is has a much stronger argument for that with basketball. Like, you really can't have mm-hmm. the Super League basketball without Duke. I mean. I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but to me, Duke's like what an easy top three or top four or five. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I think it's pretty clearly in that range of, of programs nationally. Every year. Yeah. They're always like top three of the top five games watched. Yeah. Um, and to the NCAA, I mean, that's where they get their money from. They ain't making money off of college football. The NCAA makes their money off the NCAA tournament. Well, even Dave Bradley, we had him on. He was talking like he does a lot of the numbers for Duke, and he was like, you know, we had more views on a basketball game than like the Stanley Cup Finals did in a, one of their games, right? So the like the the branding is there on basketball side. Jeff Goodman even mentioned, and obviously this could get kind of messy. Of do you have to stay in the same conference for every sport? Like, can you right. have like one of your lower marquee sports playing in the Southern Conference or something? Can you have Duke playing in the ACC in basketball and somewhere else in football? Like the logistics could become a nightmare, but if everything's going to be driven by football, maybe as an AD, you kind of might have to look at some of that if you're going to try to survive with all of these programs. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I guess before we hit the DEF CON, though, we'll, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll do a little over-under talk. We'll talk about the schedules and uh, we'll, we'll kind of bring it all full circle here. Um, we'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, well, let's jump back in. Let's kind of look at the schedule overall. Adam, I know you were pulling some stuff. The numbers were were fluctuating a bit here, anywhere from maybe five and a half to six and a half on the over-unders. Do, do you where you want to set it here? Do you want to set it at six just for conversation's sake? Do you want to go six and a half just to maybe make it spicy? Where where should we kind of put our number for over under? Um, that's a, that's that's for Bud to determine. I mean, I think it's fair. Starting the off season at five and a half, sitting at six and a half now. Go in the middle, say six. I think that's fair. Yeah, let's okay. do that. Cool. Okay. Just like gut check, first impression without looking at the details analytics and that you like to get into without looking at all that kind of where you at on Duke, you know, meta, meta feel. So, all right. They ended last year power rating wise at like Connolly had him as an eight. I like to use the pre bowl game power ratings when I do my stuff because, and I think Duke is actually a great example of this. I mean, I, I love Duke as a play against UCF last year because I mean, you knew Duke was going to care. UCF mm-hmm. had multiple players play in that game who were actively taking visits, like official visits, not practicing, right? <laughs> During it, like, <laughs> and, and played the game like, mm. if you're taking official visits because you're in the portal, but UCF still letting you play, maybe not a great indication. So I kind of backed Duke out to like what their power rating was pre-bowl. And then obviously like everybody uses some kind of three-year or five-year weighted average and a, and a talent score and all this different stuff. But I think Duke specifically... Like to me, you kind of need to throw out 20 and 21. There are some teams that I'm fairly confident did not uh, fully take the protocols seriously in 2020. And they look like they practiced really well and really often. Uh, Duke, obviously, I I think Duke, since it's like a legit research school, probably followed the protocols that were put yeah. in place, right? They so, were testing like every day. Apparently. Yeah. And then 21, we, we kind of know what happened there. So... I'm really just kind of using what I ended them last year, not using the three-year weighted average, and then kind of trying mm-hmm. to make some manual adjustments based on on that, uh, based on the players we have coming back. They're kind of a weird test case where I mean, everybody has to, you kind of have to figure out what are you going to value the the 20-year at, but Duke especially because 21, we know what that was. Uh, so I I think like I'm I'm definitely starting them as a top half team in college football, power ratings wise. Like I, I think they're solidly kind of in like the mid 40s. Cool. I yeah, I fair. think that's how Connolly have him at like fifty two or something like that. And, and uh, like obviously Green, Bill doesn't Green do Mad. the uh Bill doesn't do the manual adjustments for stuff, right? Like he, uh-huh. he'll write a column about the manual adjustments he would make. But like his yeah. system his system's still gonna use uh the stuff from twenty and twenty one. And I mean, Bill's a really right, good right, friend right. of mine. We we you know, we worked together for from oh seven to uh to twenty at SB Nation. Um, yeah, yeah, it's got to be so tough to do that stuff now too. With like, I mean, Duke added Jeremiah Lewis like two weeks ago out of the transfer portal, and he's going to be from Northwestern, right? Yeah, he's a starter on the two D. Like, yeah, you can't predict, you can't calculate that kind of stuff in in 
July, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see how those kind of those things kind of shake out. And then, you know, they brought in two transfers to one uh, in the defensive secondary, one Al Blades from Miami who hasn't played in two years. He's a, he's listed as a starter. He's been working all through spring camp and fall camp. Uh, Miles Jones from Texas A&M, seventh year guy. Again, another guy that was. Great as a fresh, I think he was a freshman All American, and then just hit the injury bug and didn't play for Texas A and M for three years, and now he's healthy and he's listed as a starter too. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of that stuff that that won't get factored into the calculations, um, and shouldn't be expected to. But uh, so if you say Duke is at a what eight? You said uh, la- la- last year after the bowl, yeah. Um, okay. And what does that translate to as far as wins go against a average FBS schedule? Like, what what is your kind of gut feeling on, on – on, without looking at the games, like I said, I mean, where do you have them kind of finishing the year? Yeah, I, I, I think Duke's more of like a 7-5 and five type team. You know, honestly, I, I like just kind of off rip. And, and I do think that, that Leonard is – I think he's pretty damn good, man. I mean, just the – right. I, I have a lot of trust in Kevin Johns. I have a lot of trust in the quarterback. Uh, obviously, you know, El- Elko was a really good DC for a long time, so I think he'll maximize what they can get out of the defense. I don't know if there's a ton of difference makers on defense, and they got an experienced front with a, a decent number of older guys, so it's not like you're you're running a, a boatload of freshman bodies out there. Yeah. All right, so Riley Leonard, just kind of before we dive into the game-by-game previews, um, you think he's back next year? Or Ooh. you think he goes pro? I think he goes pro. Yeah. There's, there's there's two clear guys, and then some of the stuff he does is really good. Like it, you, you look at his ability to avoid sacks when pressured, which I think is pretty important. Mm-hmm. And like that's a that's a fairly they, they find it's like a sticky stat that translates. I think that's mm-hmm. that's something he's already shown. You know, like he he keeps his eyes up and finds receivers. He's I mean, the arm is is good. Like, I don't think it's like a Josh Allen arm. Like, you guys watch it more than I do. But like when I when I watch Duke, I'm like, this guy's an accurate. Like, he's a big, accurate dude who's athletic. Do you think it's like an absolute cannon? Like, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I need to scout him, scout him more. But like, he looks good. He got bigger in the off season. I know that much. He looks like he put on 20 pounds of muscle, like 15 pounds of muscle, and they don't work those QBs like they do the linebackers and defensive backs, obviously, but. He's 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 definitely added some muscle in his upper body. Mm. I wonder how that would hurt them their their program continuity if he were to bounce. Certainly wouldn't help. Well, I don't know who the number three uh, quarterback for this draft would be. It, the 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 top two mm-hmm. seem fairly clear, and there's a whole lot of guys who have played a lot of college ball, but I don't know if they're really like first round types. You know, like Jaden yeah. Daniels is getting Heisman hype, and then. There's enough dudes who could make the jump. Maybe Ewers really plays that to that talent level that people think he has. Maybe McCarthy does it at, at Michigan. I don't know. If a lot of these really, really experienced guys play super well, maybe Leonard does come back because I don't think the next mm-hmm. year's draft is anywhere near as good uh, quarterback-wise. Mm-hmm. Carson Beck, yeah. Georgia, obviously, he's got one year, and if he balls out, he could be a you know, top pick. Bo Nix. Yeah. Bo-Dacious. All right, so how about this? Does Duke have like, – for? For a special, special player like Leonard, does Duke have the NIL to say, hey, mm. all right, man, you got like a mid-second round grade. 
I think it probably takes about a million and a half to get a quarterback to come back and and like and forego being a being a top draft pick. Like, can they find a way to do something like that? No, okay. I don't think so. They're getting taken care of, but I don't think they're at those numbers. I, I know he he got calls in the off season, and I'm sure some of the SEC programs were throwing some money at him, but apparently he shut him down right away. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. There's a kid. It's kind of crazy is his recruiting story. He didn't have a single offer, FBS offer, other than Duke and Vanderbilt, I think. Had not taken an unofficial visit, nor an official visit, before David Morris of QB Country sent his film in to Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe offered on the spot, and he committed. He had, like, D1 offers for basketball and D2, lots of D2 offers for basketball, and that's what he thought he was going to play. But, uh, yeah, it was like he was so lightly recruited coming out of high school, and he didn't try to boost his profile. Like, he's that kind of guy. Like, he just heads down, get my work done, loyal kid. Um, now, a million and a half dollars can change even the most loyal kid's mind. Yeah. Yeah. But, you you offer me a million yeah. and a half, I quit today. Right. Like that's kind of how that stuff works. So it's hard to, (laughs) it's hard to knock it too much. Um, Any outside of uh, Leonard though, any other kind of draft buzz guys that y'all see any, any kind of talent out there on the line or anything that are, do you see multiple pros, I guess, on this roster? I mean, Hayward's numbers are pretty freaky, but he's already gone. Uh, Dwayne Carter, I mean, is a guy that like, He's got the volume stuff. He stayed healthy. He was an impact guy, but like the the rate stats are also there. I mean, like if you're putting up like a ten percent pressure rate on six seven hundred snaps, that and you got the size, like it should translate, right? Like, yeah, like, I, I assume he gets picked. I think Graham Barton is like pretty like on every draft board I've seen as a first round draft pick. Uh, yeah. And he's an offensive tackle currently, but it's expected to kind of play inside once he gets to the NFL. That's what I think too, because the arm. Like, like I, I remember from high school, I think the arm length is more guardish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he came in. And I think he was playing center as a true freshman, moved over to guard, and then tackle just kind of out of necessity, and has locked down that position. But maybe you get a guy like Jake Hornibrook transfer from Stanford, who's now starting that right tackle. I don't know. I mean, there were seven guys on the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl watch list from Duke, whatever that means. Um, Jalen Calhoun has just been an insanely productive wide receiver. I mean, he's going to – he's probably going to leave Duke as, like, one of the best wide receivers that's ever come through the program. So, maybe he could sneak on a roster. We'll see. I like that. We'll see. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Let's walk through the schedule real quick. Um, obviously, got a game coming up tonight against Clemson. Uh, prime time against uh, and at Wallace Wade Stadium on ESPN. Uh, all eyes should be on on Mike Elko's group. Um, I think the line is currently at like. 13 and a half is That's the last what I saw. one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Come through this morning. They opened yeah. at like 12 and then it went up to 12 and a half. And now I think whoever lost money last last week on Navy is, is trying to make it back <laughs> up on this game, maybe. Uh, where do you see that that one kind of um, finishing out, bud, uh, with a uh, new offensive coordinator for Clemson and Garrett Riley and new defensive coordinator for Duke and Tyra Santucci? So I, I don't know really what to think about Santucci, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I I do have a lot of trust in both offense coordinators. Um, I think Clemson's secondary is likely to be a good bit better than it was last year. You had a lot of injuries last year to the veterans in the secondary, and they had to play these young kids pretty early, and now they're basically all back and, and seasoned, and you have uh, you know Trotter and Carter. And I, I, I really like Clemson's athleticism in the back end. Um, I have some long-term questions about Clemson's depth on the edge this year, but reports through camp have been that Xavier Thomas is the best he's ever looked and finally healthy, and obviously that guy was a top-five recruit overall in the country, and this is kind of his money year. So if, if he is actually uh, healthy, like that's an excellent matchup to watch against Graham Barton. I think Clemson mm-hmm. is like, very good on the defensive interior. Uh, get, getting mm-hmm. Tyler Davis and Rook back are pretty big. Uh, and then this kid, Peter Woods, a freshman who I think they'll use on passing downs is is extremely quick. Like he was kind of was like unblockable type dudes at uh, at, at, at the you know All-American season. So uh, I, I definitely like them there defensively. But I trust Duke to score some points, right? Like mm-hmm. I mean, we, we think Duke's starting offensive line. I mean, this is, I mean, correct me certainly if I'm wrong. I, I kind of think Duke's starting offensive line is going to be fine. And then the backups are a real concern. Uh, sure. But, I mean, if I just saw the, the, the headline today, Elko said basically the whole team's healthy. So that's very encouraging. Yep. Uh, again, like you can have depth concerns, but you don't really rotate alignment too much. So as long as they, the, the, the five stay healthy, you should be okay. And it's like, it's a veteran offense that doesn't really beat itself. So, Unless Clemson just comes out and visibly whips them, which not, it's possible that they do, but I don't know that it's crazy probable. Uh, then I think Duke should be able to score some. I, the reason I'm staying off this game from like a picks perspective is I just don't know what I'm going to get from Clemson's offense. You know, I I, I, yeah. I, I, I like winning, not gambling. And mm-hmm. I mean, look, <laughs> TC, TCU had a great offense last year overall. Sure. They struggled like crazy in the fir- first uh, like like forty minutes against against Colorado, which was, I mean, one of the worst teams in the country and certainly the worst Power Five team. So you can have a lot of like max confidence in Garrett Riley 
but also still kind of want to, you know, let's let's see a game first before we, we really dive in there. I, I mean, Clemson's what four or five back on the O line. Both kids competing for lock mm-hmm. tackle were blue chip type guys. I don't know that I believe in receivers, but they won't be worse at receiver than they were last year. Uh, and DJ, who transferred out, did win the job at Oregon State. So I would read into that a little bit that, okay, the kid who lost the quarterback battle is still starting at a Power 5 team, and their Oregon State's win total is like nine. So I'm going to I'm gonna guess at it that Klubnik can play at a fairly high level, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, so it's a win loss for Duke. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go loss loss for Duke there. I I I think that they can match up and run with with, with Duke, and and that's that's I think really key when you're playing this offense. Hmm. You, you mentioned you were kind of staying away from it, though. It almost sounds like as you're talking, though. Less about staying away from the spread and maybe more about staying away from the over under. Um, you're, you're kind of talking about struggling to score. I think it's set at 55 and a half as an over under. That seems kind of high, maybe based on what we're hearing here. Maybe we could I, play this game a little bit lower in the 20s, maybe 30 being the max. Yeah, I, I really, if I was going to play it, I could only bet under, I think. Uh, like I, I would not, probably not look to bet over, which is probably counterintuitive because everybody knows the names on offense for Duke, but. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is also what tempo is Clemson going to play at, right? Riley doesn't really run a Bryles tempo, but they do play fast. Are they going to play like crazy fast? Because that's going to impact this, especially with sure. new clock rules. Like, are, are you squeezing out an extra possession or possession and a half? I, I'm going to stay away from from this one, but I, I I do think Clemson will win it. Okay, all right. I think that's Lafayette. the big one, right? Leopards. I think we can uh, we can just. Say that one's a win, one and one. <laughs> what? Where is Northwestern's mentality coming out of this offseason, week three? I in Durham. I, I think that that Duke whips them. Honestly. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Two I, and I, one. I think it's Two yeah. and one. Okay. All right. Two What's next? One. Connecticut. At yeah. Connecticut, yeah. sneaky game. I think UConn's improved. I do. I mean, like they finally got a quarter. Last year, they lost their quarterback in like the first series against Utah State and had to play this true freshman that we just knew wasn't ready. And they they clawed their way to a bowl game. So Mora seems to have some things right there. I still think the talent on offense for Duke is is considerably better than what UConn has to offer. Even though I, and they got they got the kid from Maine and and their staff knows him pretty well because they were on that Maine staff. But I'm going to go ahead and give UConn the win here. There's, like there's a six-week stretch of hell for Duke after that game. It's brutal. Uh, Josh, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't want to take away your hosting. No, hosting, go for it. Uh, this is this is your domain. Ship. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame, September 30th. Big game. You know, I know there was some talk of Duke going after Marcus Freeman when Cutcliffe left. Obviously, Notre Dame kept him. Had an up and down season last year, but it seems like they've kind of got things figured out coming into the season. Certainly on paper, Notre Dame's a more talented team. Um, can Duke pull off the upset here? So I'm not buying Notre Dame quite as much as they showed against Navy, but I, I think the physicality of Notre Dame up front is a little bit challenging in this one. However, mm-hmm. this is sandwiched between Ohio State and Louisville. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pick Duke to win one of these games coming up, right? 
And I do think that it's possible, like Duke with with a veteran front. I don't know that Notre Dame's defense is like a top five or top ten D. I, I don't think they have the same level of dues that Clemson has. I I'm going to go ahead and surprise it here. I think no. And 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 give give Duke the chance to re- to really pull this one. Just it, it's a weird sandwich spot for for the Irish. Uh, nice. Yeah, I'm gonna pick one Duke upset. I'm, I'm gonna go with that one. I think Duke's uh, heading into a bye the following week, so that they might yeah be able to dedicate everything they've got to that Notre Dame game. And like you said, uh, the Irish will be coming off of a game against Ohio State the previous week. Uh, I think that was on the road too, right? I might be yep. wrong about that, but yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, no, the, cool. the Irish game or the Ohio State games is in South Bend, and then they have Louisville uh, the next week as well. All right, that's the newsmaker right there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's kind of that one that like Duke's been waiting for that kind of program statement win, that big upset. You know, every time they've been ranked, even in playing against another ranked team, they just kind of come out flat. So, although I think that would make a lot of people happy in Durham if they can pull off that upset. I will say there is uh, kind of a bother. Yeah, I'm going to stick with with, with the uh, with, with the Irish as that one. Wait, 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 Duke over the Irish. Excuse me. Yeah, you were thinking about the NC State game there when you. No, in, NC State. Uh, I think NC State's off a of bye. I, I know Duke is too. I I think NC State by that time the offense probably clicks, and I think they've got a pretty a pretty nails defense. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take NC State in that one. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Up and down. Uh, the weekend before looks like NC State does have Marshall. So we can consider that a buy or not, depending on how you want gotcha. okay. <laughs> to qualify, qualify Marshall. Um, yeah, and then the hell week continues uh, after that NC State game. But let's just reset here. We've got one loss to Clemson, one loss to NC State. So they're four and two heading into a uh, road trip to Florida State. End of October, October twenty first. What does that look like for Duke? I think Florida State is, uh, and last year I thought they were like seven and five, and they went nine and three. Like they they did surprise me with how well they played. This team is loaded in a much different way than that team was. Mm -hmm. Like I I I covered the, you know the 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 two thousand ten to. To fourteen run in, in person. Um, this is, I think, the best team they've had since fourteen in Tallahassee. Mm. Uh, like mm. tra- Travis is twenty four years old. The, the, the quarterback. They needed <laughs> to go. Get, they needed to go get a receiver, and they ended up getting a guy who was in the starting eight or the, whatever the basketball term is, like the top eight, like legitimately a rotation player on Michigan State's basketball team. <laughs> and Keon mm-hmm. Coleman and like. Johnny Wilson, I think, is now their second best receiver, and that says something there. Wow. They, I mean, they got a whole lot of guys to come back and and forego the draft. So I, I'm going to pick FSU in that one. Makes sense. I mean, they're definitely it seemed like to me the most talented team in the ACC, but I, I don't get into the weeds like you do. So I think I, uh, I think it's them or Clemson. Like obviously the the, yeah. the regular season games at Clemson, but in a rematch, like on a neutral, I I, I would t- I would take FSU close. Mm. Um, another roadie after that one at Louisville. Uh, I know Louisville's got a schedule. Uh, 
Do they have the talent to be one of the upper echelon teams in the ACC with Jeff Brom kind of taking the reins there? I, I think so. Um, especially, uh, especially on offense. I, I think the offensive line is a unit they feel confident in. They like the plumber kid they got from Cal. He played for Jeff Brom at Purdue before he transferred uh, to Cal, and they went and got him. And and like him, uh, the Jamari Thrash kid for Louisville is really really good. If you guys play daily fantasy, I would mm. I would uh, I would play some Jamari Thrash uh, for sure. Mm. Defensively, I think they're not as good as they were last year. They they had some serious edge rushers. Uh, Wake Forest found that out in, the, in that game, uh, but I'm gonna. I'm going to go Louisville here. I, I I think in Louisville, that's tough. Now, that is off back-to-back really difficult games for the Cards, but I think they are also off a of bye, Louisville is. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to go Louisville. Four and four? Is that right? I think that's what we're at now. We're at four and two losses to... I think it's four and three. three losses in a row. It's four and three. Is that right? Clemson, you have a win over Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, four and three. Three losses in a row, though. NC State, Florida State, Louisville. Can they write the ship against Wake Forest on a Thursday night game? So this is where I kind of like second. all these games are like the back four games of the schedule are teams to me that don't have great depth at certain spots. Yeah. Duke, Wake, UVA especially. North Carolina has some spots with, be- with better depth uh, than others. I think they can beat Wake at home. Okay, I, I think Griffiths is is, is a, probably a pretty good replacement for Hartman, but they lost some important guys on defense. I mean, Wake doesn't have a ton of D line drafted. I know that the kid who transferred uh, from there to Oklahoma is supposed to start on the defensive line. I think the kid who transferred to Texas at corner is going to start. Uh, that's a lot to lose on, the, on that side of the football, and I, I I trust Duke to get it get it done at home. And obviously, you don't you don't get rich picking against Dave Clawson very often, but I I think Duke can can win that game. All right. Stop the streak. <laughs> I, I need to see. I don't think the math is adding up for me here. And was that six and three? I think, I think that's, that's five and four. That right? only, five and four. Okay. I think it's got five it. and three. All right. Right. Well, we got. We only have three more games left after that, so it's got to uh, be Florida State undergrad. Sorry, uh, five and four. I forgot the Clemson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of Clemson. Yeah, yeah. All right. So needing. A win to clinch bowl eligibility. November game at North Carolina. What do we think? Will Drake yeah, maybe sitting by then to, to preserve his draft eligibility, draft status? That's my question. Yeah. <laughs> I, if Drake's playing at home, I'm going to take North Carolina. You know, like I, yeah, I'm going to take UNC. Duke should have won that game if, last year, if not for. Back-to-back penalties in the red zone, including one that nullified in a corner end zone touchdown. Missed a field goal early in that game, lost by three points. Uh, that was a tough one, but North Carolina keeps the victory bell, Liberty bell. I can't even remember what they call it now. Uh, <laughs> Duke goes to five and five. Two games on the schedule left. Uh, road trip to Virginia. In Charlottesville, I'm going to go ahead and take Duke here. I, uh, okay. I'm just not. I, I don't see it with this roster. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe some others do, but um, I, I don't. I, I, I don't see this roster. Um, yeah, I, 
Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. I, you know, I've talked to Bill about this. I mean, he has, I think he has their defense improving. And I'm like, all right, so Iowa, which puts out, puts out linebackers in elite level, they, they took your best linebacker. Florida State took right. your best corner who wasn't drafted. The NFL took your other best corner. Chico Bennett uh, is on crutches, the but they're, they're probably their best edge rushing guy. I don't think yeah. the defense is better at UVA. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a, they I'm a, quarter offense skeptic. Yeah, they lost, they lost their quarterback. Their receivers coach bounced. The offensive line coach bounced. I don't know about. Obviously, like, I think we have to say this just just because you're a human, but also like it, 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 there's not zero impact from like the shooting, you know, clearly yeah. like had some impact on last year's team. Um, but talent wise on offense, I just don't think they can score any points. Yeah. Against really anybody. Hmm. All right. They've clinched the bowl. Mm-hmm. And in the regular season finale, this is, I think, like an insane stat. And I have to go back and look it up again. But I think I counted like 30 guys who will be seniors for that senior day. Like, there's. There's like 24 graduate students on the roster. It's something nuts. Um, three redshirt seniors, and then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven, twelve, thirty, fifteen seniors. Like you're looking, so it's like 40 guys who might be honored. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have them lined up on either sideline. Like it's an insane number for regular season finale. Do they kind of go all out and, and beat Pittsburgh? Can, like, I know Pittsburgh's talented. I, I don't know. Does, does Duke have it in him to win that game? I, I think so, yeah. I, I And is there really that big of a difference between Pitt and Duke? I, I mean, last year, I thought Duke – I mean, that was a really close game last year. It was, yeah. yeah Duke they, lost 28-26. They it was like a two-point conversion a at the end. Missed the two point conversion at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, look, if, if we're to the point where Duke is six and five, this exercise clearly shows like there's, there's substantial downside risk to this schedule. If, if you, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you get a quarterback injury or if you get a couple offensive line injuries, I mean, there's certainly a world in, in which, you know, there's like six straight losses, right? Which is, yeah. is tough. Like there's, Certainly, versions of this of this projection where, you know, the, the Virginia game is not for a bowl, right? I mean, you've got to win over Notre Dame in this. Remember, I know ex- exactly. I, it's hard to predict which game that'll like which win that'll come in, you know, or mm-hmm. which in which game the win will come. I do think they'll get one of those six, uh, maybe they'll two. get one upset win. You think, or or maybe two? You know what I'm saying? Maybe. But I think they, I think they can beat Pitt. Like if if okay. we're if we're picking this, and and I'm assuming that they've stayed healthy, then, then I mean that's a very veteran team with a, with a really good quarterback and a, a I think a good coaching staff. Like I'm going to give them the win over Pitt. Seven and five is hard to get to though. There ain't no doubt. Like this is tough schedule. Four and eight is a hell of a lot more likely than eight and four. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I agree. With I that. think. Um, All right. So Bud, the unsure about Duke. Is what I'm taking from this exercise. 
little, little bit. I mean, this is this is a good exercise though to, to to go through and do. So we're at seven and five after the season. You said over six, so it all it all adds up. Six uh, is a good number, though, isn't it? It's a great number. I like it. I take the over. Um, I've just got faith in these guys. I, I, I tried to doubt Elko last year, and I just don't. I don't think I should do that again. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like Duke is one of these teams that gets crazily hyped. You know, like, like you're, you're right. not. You're not getting like a free. Nobody gets a free half win on hype, but like you're not getting like a free quarter of a win. To, to sure. help you help you with an under bet. Like nobody's hyping Duke football. You, you said it yourself on, on the traffic, right? Like the, the basketball story on a Wednesday in, in September is still going to do better traffic. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for going through those with us. I hope um, hope you're right about that Notre Dame game. That would be a lot of fun to cover. I'll be there for that. Um, and I'll be there, like I said, for Duke Clemson Labor Day night. Tune in okay. on ESPN if you're not going to be in Wallace Way Stadium. Yeah, I think there's a lot of buzz for that one for sure. Just uh, maybe just sometimes while things happen week one, you know, and it's like maybe you can at least make it interesting. Um, you know, I, I think based on what y'all said, though, I'm looking at maybe hitting the Clemson cover, but going under on the 55 and a half might be the the, the safe play here. We'll see um, how that continues to how that continues to track. But uh Again, you know, Adam, appreciate you coming on, taking your time, doing a little football deep dive. Uh, but obviously, thanks for taking your time to come out. We ran a little bit long here in terms of what we were talking about going. Uh, I want to give you a shot, though, to just kind of plug anything you got going on, tell the people where they can find you, um, what you're working on now. And uh, yeah. Yeah, guys. Uh, so I, I really appreciate that. I had, had, had a really fun time. Um so we do the Cover Three podcast uh, four times a week for uh, for CBS, and then you know, it also appears on CBS CBS HQ. And we do some pop up episodes now and then for folks who are subscribed to the YouTube channel. But uh, just kind of how how us four, you know, uh, me and Chip and, and Tom and Danny, you know, see the world of college football, and you know, maybe y'all will uh, will in, in enjoy listening. And hey, maybe you like one of us. So I, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you don't get too many mentions uh, coming at you, or, or for whatever reason, on the seven and five stuff. I think that's pretty generous. Generous on what we're looking at with the schedule. I think most um, most football fans would probably be pretty happy with that and would sign on the line right now for seven and five. Um, Adam, anything you got going on in terms of writing coming through on the site? Anything people should be looking forward to? I know you said there's some player interviews coming through in the mix. Maybe even attached to this. Um, tell us what we got to look forward to. Yeah, media availability is uh, was earlier this week on Wednesday, or last week, I should say, on Wednesday. Um, so we'll have those videos and, and audio coming through. And, yeah, just keep it locked in. The Devil's Den will be in the press box all season. Got some good games at home. Get out there if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, we appreciate Adam and Bud coming on. Um, you know, like Adam said, you can find us on the boards, thedevilsden.com for football and basketball stuff over there. Um, make sure to check out Bud and those guys at the cover three, see what they're doing, especially if you like more of a, maybe a, a neutral view or a global kind of take on what's going on in the college football landscape. Um, you know, we'll be back probably next week to maybe start to then do another preview of basketball. That's right around the corner as well. So if you hadn't had a chance, go check out the podcast we just dropped last week with Jeff Goodman. 
Um, so, you know, if you, if you want to go all the way back, you can listen to Mark Mitchell and John Shire. We might actually rerun those a little bit before the season starts. Um, rate, review, subscribe. You can find us at thedevilston.com. You can email us at thedevilstonpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, devilstonpod247. Keep the faces strong and the verb high. Go Duke. of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen